0: Available on all podcast platforms. This is The Psychology Cast. The podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they
1: do what they do. Hi, welcome to this podcast. I am joined by Francesca Maruntia Contanity. I, 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 I just say the last one. Contanti. Conanty, sorry, yes. Um, I'm always fascinated by names um, as part of being someone who's on the journey of becoming um, a psychologist and who we are, makes our identity. Um, you're Italian, right? Italian background?
0: Yep. yeah, Italian, 100% Italian.
1: Oh, wow. So, I, you know, is that, is, is name such a big thing in your place, like the naming of people?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, I think. yeah, his, uh, the family name is um, yeah, it's your identity. I think many of my colleagues tend to call me Fran, which I really dislike. So I always correct them to say, actually my name is Francesca uh, because that's my name. Um, and also it, for me it's a particularly important name because it's my dad's name. So I was good to be a, a boy. So they really wanted to be a boy. Um, they called me, yeah, they called yeah. me Francesca um, because my dad really wanted to continue their name and surname of his uh, um, of his family but we ha- he had three daughters and that was the last attempt fail <laughs> so they decided to give me my dad's name so I bring my dad's surname I carry over. so when I got married Connett is my husband's surname when I got married I didn't drop my family uh, surname because uh, my dad really (laughs) would not approve Uh, so I kept Mantia which is my um, dad's surname and Conard is my husband's
1: surname. Yeah that's fascinating I just yeah I think when we have like naming of people it's such a big thing big it can cause arguments you know Mm -hmm. because they say oh you you know and especially when children are born um you need to take the name of this person or this granddad has said like you know you need to take the name of this or yeah. here's a list and then you have the you know uh, the mother's side and the, uh, the father's side and they yeah. have different you know pers- um preferences
0: right and, if, okay. and that can
1: cause ar- <laughs> that can cause argument <laughs> why, why we listen to your side and why we not listen to our my side for you know that kind right. of thing uh-huh. And it's such a stressful time for the mother, for example. <laughs> Because the baby's just been born and for the um, for the father as well, like as a new, uh-huh. um, especially if it's the first one, it can become, you know, not traumatic, but this naming of the child. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I think in Italy it's much easier. That's good. We, this, this, no, really. He oh, no. <laughs> is a very patriarch side. So oh, really? Okay, that's good. He's yeah. the man that is important, the woman doesn't matter. So you carry the name and surname of your dad's side. Um, so I have uh, um, so might, I would have had my dad, granddad name and surname, and then my children, my son, would have had my Uh, dad again name and then my son would call it's only the dad side that you carry over it's not the mom side my mom doesn't have any say in that (laughs) so it's just the dad that you need to look at it's much easier it's 50% resolve the problem
1: that's that's because in yeah that's interesting because there's in in names in families like the name if it's we have like um a certain well, majority of like if it's a female um they have a name which has like a female sort of you know, um, uh, not preference but like some sort of like um, a name that suits the female name uh-huh. but if it's a boy that's born then they automatically uh-huh. take the father's son uh-huh. but with the when there's a female they have the op. They sometimes they do it. Sometimes they use a female, a generic name, a generic surname. Yeah. And yeah. it's not connected ah. to the to the male side at all.
0: Ah, that's interesting. No, is um, yeah, no. In in Italy, it's strictly a strictly strict linked to their dad. So you will have auntie, uncle, uh, grandparents, all from the dad side. So the Plus, female. Um, is lost in transition but this is traditionally now is a little bit different changing yeah my family is very was is very traditional so the uh, the fact that I was a woman wasn't very welcome <laughs> um so my parents decided to have me when they were quite old my mom was 42 when she had me um and was uh, uh just to have a boy they really wanted to have a boy so when the third daughter was born it was a tragedy. <laughs> That's <all> right. <laughs> but for the first few years of my life, I tried to be a boy, it didn't work out very well. So I tried to play with boys, I tried to play football, I tried to play boy like. I was oh, really? a, wow. a real real boy. Yeah. You wouldn't I wouldn't say that now, very girly but it was my first 14 years of uh, my life. It was, I, I felt like I was a boy and I acted like a boy. I had the temperament of a boy um, and I love play with boys. My my male friends were mainly boys. Uh, I didn't like the girls, I didn't like um, uh, cooking and uh, doing the traditional things that the girls were doing. Uh, I thought men were more adventure, so uh, I used to join <laughs> them all the time to do whatever they were doing.
1: Uh, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. And how did that, uh, did you feel like, um, I suppose it's a, it's a result of the in- environment and yourself uh-huh. that's constructing who you are? Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, I, I didn't, it was an... Um, a um, gender identity the, it was uh, I just like what the boys were doing um, uh, I, I'm very attractive so I think I needed to steam a little bit of my energy so running and uh, uh, playing football jumping and uh, uh, going on bikes all of the things very very active that were, were very appealing to me and it happened that those were the things the boys were doing. Um, I could not stay sitting down and doing a calming uh, task. Um, so I had to really work hard in, <laughs> when I grew up to sit down <laughs> and listen, um, because that was um, something that happened later on. I, I, I'm really hyperactive, so that, that's why the boys were more appealing
1: um to me um and did you did you start coming into sort of like this area i mean we had this podcast yeah that was a different type of introduction <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, yeah i was wondering what
0: we're doing here yeah. talking about psychology
1: <laughs> which is which is this is i'm very interested in like um the the journey in that sense yeah. how people come to where they arrived and i think yeah these building blocks when we we're younger mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. such a huge part in our I don't know say our choices or our direction yeah. like uh, who we who are we trying to be who do we what do we want to be well, what are we trying to do
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: so like okay so this that's interesting isn't it like they wanted you to be like this so in terms of a profession then
0: mm-hmm.
1: what because all our parents want some, us to be something what did they yeah. want you to be
0: yeah, I, I come from a, a very traditional family, so they and I'm the um, the only one that went to university in my family. Uh, so I think the expectation was that just did what my two sisters did, which uh, was becoming a teacher. Um, so that was at that at that time. Um, Initially, going becoming a teacher was stopped after secondary school, so there was no expectation that I would leave my town and go away. Obviously, it didn't happen with me because I'm the red sheep, the black sheep of the family. I've been always told, you're always different. You always need to do things to in a different way. Um, and it, 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 I grew up with this idea that I was different, uh, and I felt different always from the beginning of my life. Um the idea of psychology was um I, I've been thinking a lot about it, especially um at the beginning of my career when people were asking in an interview, what brought you to this career? because <laughs> my um when I first applied for psychology um was a, a little bit of a random choice. Um, I applied to become a for psychology for law and uh, um, engineering. So three very different subjects. <laughs> so I applied randomly to these three things because I thought I like building, I like um, uh, putting together things, which so engineering would help me. Uh, I like people and I like uh, helping people. That was the main thing. Um, and the law is a different way of helping people as well. Um, I didn't know I didn't know what this combination looks at that at that point when I was 19 it looked like oh this is really random um and I think I was very very lucky to start psychology because I think uh, it's the best profession in the world and I would not is- do anything else than this
1: is that the first time you came across in psychology at the age of that 18 what did you come across earlier uh,
0: no, I didn't know. call earlier because my brother-in-law is actually a psychologist. Uh, okay. so How old were
1: you then? when you first kind of like came across it?
0: Yeah, I was uh, 11 when, oh, wow. he, when oh. he got oh. married. Yeah, um, and I was always fascinated by what he was doing um, as it was about working with people. And I'm a, a person, uh, I, I love people. Um, and that, that is something that has always been there, in you know, all my life. Uh, My mum always said that if there is somebody crying on the street, I was there supporting the person that was crying, and this is the same, my teacher in primary school, um, who I still meet when I go back in my town, she would always say, I knew that you were going to do this type of things, because if somebody was in the playground, in a corner, you would stop and drop everything you were doing and go and talk to the person in the corner. Uh, I don't even remember doing that.
1: Do you think that's taught or is that something that comes from within? What do you think?
0: I think I always have the the love for people. I just love talking to people, listening to people, make sense of their stories, um, join the puzzle of what happened to them. Um, And I'm a very positive person. I work with very complex patients now. We'll go into that at some point. But I'm a very, very positive person. I always think um, there is a meaning behind the pain and the suffering, and there is a way to come out. Uh, and I always had that. Uh, now, after you know, 20 years of psychology or practicing psychology, I, can, I know what, how to call those words, the value, goals, and uh, um, we can name them. I always had the love for helping and be there for people and listening and make sense and adding something positive and the hope. Um, these are characteristics that for me they've always been uh, spontaneous. Uh, with psychology, I've learned how to use them better uh, than a friend um, with some strategies and some uh, theory behind. But naturally, I think I'm that type of person. He
1: was
0: being, (laughs) and people telling me, You always been like this. (laughs) But I've got
1: some evidence that no, I I think that's, I think these build, I think these are building the foundations of like Mm -hmm. people why they tend to become when they become adults. I think it's a skill, I don't think it's anyone can do it, you know, Mm. to be compassionate and to be kind and to help others. I, I, I do think it's a skill, like it's a skill to be proud of or skill to be valued you know, mm. you know everyone can because you can care for someone I think there's unhealthy ways and healthy ways to do it isn't it in that sense yeah
0: yeah 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 and it's, it's definitely uh, different than uh, being a friend and <laughs> no I always I'm no friend of my patients but I really care for them uh, the normal family by really care for them uh, and I care them for them twenty four seven. I'm very present in my patient's life and they're very present in my life. So that but it's a different type of caring. Um, there is a, got a foundation, as you said before, but then is uh, shaped by theory, by knowledge, by experience. Um, I'm definitely a different psychologist now than I was uh, when I first started, and I'm definitely uh, a different, uh, my skills are different in my therapy room than uh, outside my therapy room. Um, Although my friends say, you never stop being a psychologist, (laughs) Jessica, stop. (laughs) Um, So I think a little bit of uh, my skills are out, but not fully, uh, because I am that type of person. But in the room, in the therapeutic setting, the skills have a different shape and they need to have a different shape. Otherwise, you just become friends, and that's not what people need.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting for people who might be listening in. Like how your character, well, there's two types of characters. One is in that professional space, and one is in that personal space, and how with each, I don't know, experience, mm-hmm. it compounds over time on your own, sort of like, development and the way you see um the world and yeah. a scenario and how you add to the skills. Um uh, we're gonna come on to that a bit later about you know what it is that yeah. you actually like um the current role that you that you do. I just wanted to yeah. know like um so I know like um you know caring for people, care well family, you know, values is very important in Italian Italian culture. Yeah. Um Much like most, most, but they have a different way of doing it. Um, I just wanted to ask um, psychology: where does it fit in, like in in terms of Italian philosophy or Italian perspectives around the human mind, and you know that kind of thing? Is it is it a big thing, or is it something that we're
0: yeah? Yeah, That's a really good question, and I'm not sure how fully and comprehensively I can answer to that. Sure, sure. Um, But I did all my study in Italy. But I came to England, all my work experience is in this country. How in Italian people see psychology, um, oh, it, is a, it is an interesting one. Because Italy is not, uh, when, when you see Italy from the outside, you think it's an homogeneous place. Um, but Italian people have a, a different approach to psychology from the South to the North. So the South is more, um, traditional, uh, I come from the South and is more um, a little bit behind in understanding what psychology is. So, so, the idea that the South have a psychology is more about uh, people that come and see me have a complex problem, they might have a chronic uh, mental health problem like medical psychotic or they call schizophrenia. So, the idea of the psychologist, you're really, really not functioning when you go and see. A psychologist or a therapist, as we go more towards the north there is a little' a different idea so psychologists are more um, part of the uh, well-being uh, um, uh, and uh, like people start, see psychologists when they have uh, mild to moderate mental health and also because they want to get better uh, they're stuck, uh, like they stuck like the mild problems. Uh, since uh, the idea of seeing a psychologist is okay in the north, you're not seeing, uh, you don't have, uh, there's not a, that big stigma like uh, might be in the south. Uh, in fact, for example, the, uh, the private work, the, the private psychologist in, in the south is less developed than in the north. When you go in the north, there are lots of private practitioners. There is much, much less as you go further, further in the south. So... It's a little bit um, how the idea of psychology fits into Italy is depending where you're going, um, and yeah, it, it is different.
1: So you know, yeah, I, I didn't know that. So thank you so much for sharing. I, you know, I just found that really interesting that even within the country they have a different approach or different yeah. different take on it. Um yeah. So north and south, okay, and the south, I, I see what you mean because I suppose um we you know we my family is obviously from bangladesh mm-hmm. and so even though i was born in they brought up in the uk mm-hmm. their perspectives on psychology is a much more of a spiritual dimension rather than a a mental um, mm-hmm. or psychological perspective you know we don't yeah we don't really have that at all that base so mm-hmm. i get it in that sense like yeah. if you have something that's really really um Someone who's like I said, who's got psychosis or schizophrenia, yeah. they would like to go to a more spiritual healer rather than a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Yeah. Or, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, for example, my mom, my dad, is from the south, and she's 82 years old. If you ask her what does your daughter do, <laughs> she will tell you. Well, I think she's like that. Happens in the you know the doctor of the mind. <laughs> no, yes. so if you have something that doesn't work here, you go and see her. Mm. Uh, she wouldn't know how to explain what uh, I do for living. For her, it's important that I got the uh, DR in front of my name. I <laughs> achieved someone in my family got a doctorate, so she's happy with that. So if you ask her what I actually do for living, she would really struggle to describe what a psychologist does. So um, she would really find it difficult. Um,
1: she's not a boy, but she's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> she's not even a, a boy,
0: she's now yeah. a doctor. Yeah, that's
1: it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: she's a funny one.
1: <laughs> well, I suppose, yeah, I, I do think that it's, it's very much like my mom, you know. She doesn't, um, it, it's not that she, it, and we can't call them un, unintelligent. I mean, because I think it's a different take on the world, right? Yeah, first, yeah. I thought it's because they don't know they have got the education, but actually. We shouldn't see people like that, whether they're mm-hmm. educated or less educated. I think we just have to see the world from their perspective, mm-hmm. and they have an equal right, if you like, to yeah. to you know um, to contribute to how we understand how our systems work and all this stuff. Because I think what we try and do, um, we put them into these boxes in because we only understand the world from our perspective. And therefore if you do not understand from my perspective then you're in the wrong box but yeah. actually we have to look at it from their from their worldview, okay. and and yeah. okay can we i do i do believe in that's the reason why i think a lot of like people from uh, different communities can't access mental health services mm-hmm. because our services do not understand like their worldview and therefore unable to adapt their yeah. provision could be because of money as well and also service provision, we might not have the specialists mm-hmm. to design these things. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very, and I think I learned that through maybe with my mom. like no matter how many degrees I got, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's still coming to the same conclusion as your mom, it, 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 There were doctors of the minds, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are two things that I think you kind of, And uh, for me, important first is that in in Italy, particularly, psychology is a very new um, faculty. So the first one, uh, um, psychology was born officially in in 1978. So the one when the first uh, uh, faculty opened, if I'm I'm correct, but late in the 70s. So it's been like graduate people, uh, people started to graduate in psychology in the 80s. So that is when the first jobs came out. So it's a relatively new um, uh, science and then new, 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 uh, not many people were psychologists in the 80s. Now there are millions of psychologists, but it's been going on for about 40 years. So it's relatively new. Um, so my mum would find it difficult or people of a generation to see this new profession coming as if you if you try to explain my mom what marketing is or digital marketing is like what, what are you talking about it's even, it's even worse than the, the doctor of your mind of mind it's even worse than that um so digital but it, it's that type of thing it's a new thing but also it's um the role of mental health in they in they in my mom generation is very spiritual so if you had mental health you will go to the priest or you will go or you will have all this strange combination of drinks or, uh, or diet that they're supposed to cure you um, so that that is uh, why my mom will struggle people of a generation And people that live in a town that haven't seen uh, the evolving of, of the systems will get stuck to what they know um, and in I, i'm i live in birmingham now so there is a there's a vast uh, um community of Asian people for example they're uh, very difficult to engage and one of the projects that was involved a couple of years ago is to engage people that don't engage with the standard uh, service they offer. And what we had to do is to readapt how we do psychology uh, and how we deliver psychology because uh, expecting uh, um, those clients group to come in a building and sit in front of me and talk about the problem was just impossible if that didn't happen. Um, so we had to develop a new approach that was about knocking on the door and be with them and showing their we are and talk like uh, understand what they're telling us it was really changing the setting or delivering psychology is about um, I'm coming to you and then you can come to me Um, I'm knocking on your door and I'm drinking tea in your house so then I can have you in my setting Uh, And when you come in my setting, I deliver psychology, not with my piece of paper and uh, sitting on two different chairs. We do psychology around the table with other people that are from your culture and they share your values. Um, It's it's an exposure to my my work in a different way. Um, And that was more effective than expecting. to involve people of a certain background, of ages, what group is very important. But it is our flexibility. Um, so it's not just in the South. Italy, even in a, in a big city like Birmingham, you need to um, you need to sell your your work in different ways and uh, talk the language they are talking. You not know, with the words, with the, with the, with the getting close to them rather than expecting them to get close to you
1: yeah I just think there's there's so much, so much good stuff that you basically touched upon them. Um, I think yeah, you, there, there is a way to do it, you know um, you cannot go around telling people um, this is what they' gonna do, this is what they' gonna feel, this is the way they' gotta think. Hmm. That basically oppresses people um, and it contributes to more problems into the system. You just think yeah. you, you're trying to solve some problems. <laughs> that's the yeah. idea and you have to think about our own practice and how do we do psychology you mm-hmm. know because what do we mean by psychology because there's eastern perspectives western perspective african perspectives you know mm-hmm. so there's yeah, that's different, right, yeah different view viewpoints about the mind and how yeah. we become and i think when you're when you're trying to help people we have to take it from like they they have to be an equal partner in the room isn't it And, you know, it's it's great that what you're doing. And I just think that in, you said about Italian, um, the profession in Italy, like um, the, do you think that's growing? Do you think there's going to be a more demand for um, this type of profession, if you like, for example, universities, um, hospitals?
0: Yeah. Oh, psychology is huge now in Italy, it's like in England. It's probably the top uh, option, choice of uh, most of the graduate uh, students, you know, secondary school students. Um, in fact, there are too many graduate people. Um, and the, the system is very different in, in Italy, so the, everybody can go to university as long as you can pay or you have a scholarship. Um, so the the university where they take three thousand people a year, uh, psychologists. So they every year there are thousands of psychologists that are coming out from university, uh, which are unfortunately jobless. <laughs> and that is one of the reason why I came to England, because <laughs> um, yeah, they they are too many psychologists and that's why is um, most of them are um, unfortunately unemployed or they go into the private uh, practice because the Italian equivalent of the NHS is uh, um, there are only a limited number of posts they can accommodate. Um, so unfortunately there are millions, thousands and thousands of people. In fact, in Italy there are 20 regions. Um, so Lazio is one of the regions where Rome is. And uh, uh, somebody, um, there's a good source of information, told me that um, uh, the, all of the psychologists in England, in all England, are uh, the same number. The uh, psychologists in Lazio, which is one region, because in Italy are 20 regions. So I don't know many psychologists there in England, but the equivalent of all the English psychologists is the equivalent of one. Now. Uh, region in Italy, so you can imagine how many psychologists are there. Um, too many.
1: Oh no, that's um, that's that's interesting. I didn't know that was that yeah. that, that many. Um to become a psychologist in Italy right then what what do you have to do (laughs) yeah what's the training
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a long 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 way yeah so you finish secondary school um when you are 18 19 so we 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 finish a little bit later than in England uh, psychology is five years and then uh, you have uh, one year of uh, um, uh, training that is when you do your practice uh, you, you do six months and six months into different areas of psychology so for five years you do all the theoretical stuff um, you finish by writing a, a dissertation, which give you the equivalence of the doctorate in, uh, in this country. And then you do one year of uh, practice. And at the end of that year of practice, you do what's called a state exam, which is a national exam. Um, and once you pass it, it's divided into three different blocks. But once you pass it, you are registered in the body order, the psychology in a region. Um, And once you you are a psychologist recognized, it's like the HCPC. Um, Once you're recognized as a psychologist, um, you can't practice as a a therapist. You have to do four years of uh, what's called a specialization school. And that means that you have to specialize in one approach. Um, And once you become a psychotherapist, then you can work in the public sector. (laughs) (laughs) or in the private sector so your degree on its own and um, being recognized by the um, the psychology order is not enough to practice you need to do at the end 10 years of uh, study to practice as a psychologist which is similar to what English people do you have your bachelor degree then you have your uh, an assistant psychologist job, but then you do hopefully your three years of uh, doctorate, and eventually you work after six years. Uh, in Italy, you have to become a psychotherapist in order to work as a, what you call the, a psychologist. So it's a bit uh, upside down compared to England because the psychotherapy uh, qualification is a higher level than the psychology degree or doctorate.
1: No, that's really, you know, I don't, I'm just thinking like that's, I didn't realise it was that different, you know, that different. <laughs> in that sense. I'm just thinking it must be similar to in other countries in Europe. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, what it's like. Um, and so I suppose it's, you know, but I suppose by the time you get to a certain age or a certain part, you'll know whether there's something you want to do. Is that <laughs> what most people decide? That's
0: right. Yes, that's right. So after you finish your degree, um. um so when you do the free two you do three plus two years so when you finish your uh, five years then after your training then you can decide if you want to become a cbt psychotherapist or psychoanalyst, psychoanalyst or uh, if you want to become a family therapist so you will like, take different model approaches uh, and most of them in Italy about four years of school. It is not it's not full time obviously. Like my, um, uh, I attended a, a cognitive school, and that was for four years. There was a weekend every every month, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I was flying from Birmingham every weekend uh, once 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 a month to to do that. Um, I just wanted to have everything ready in case I wanted to move back to Italy, <laughs> just in case you wanted to ask, why did you do that? Um, yeah, so when when I came here, I was uh, in the middle of uh, starting the, the, my school, so I decided to finish my study in Italy as I was working in this country.
1: And did you, did you find that transition easy or difficult, like studying um, here and making um... that?
0: No, it, it was okay, because after finished uni, um, I, I didn't have a job in Italy, so when I'm, I came to England, I did, uh, you know, remember I said after university, you do one year of uh, uh, practice. Uh, so you can do that abroad um, in uh, in research. So I came to Birmingham University and then did uh, six months and six months through different placements in uh, neuropsychology. And then I started to do a master in research in, uh, in psychology because um, I wanted to have some English qualification just in case I was staying. <laughs> and at the same time, I started my... Uh, cognitive uh, therapy uh, school in Italy, so it was a little bit of a very busy time. Um, And that's when uh, I was traveling up and down and doing uh, my master in in Birmingham, and I started to work as well as an assistant psychologist, because by then my qualifications were not recognized by the DPS. and uh, after I finished all my studies, I said, okay, let's apply. Um, and the HCPC recognized my qualifications and, again, work as a clinical psychologist. Not anymore as an assistant, but this was a long story.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. So it was HCPC, the Health um, Professional Council, yeah? Healthcare Professionals yeah. Council, for those who want to know what it is. Yeah. So they recognized... Your um, experience and qualifications. Yeah. Um, and then you had coming into the BPS. That's when they recognised it. Yeah. That.
0: First, first, the first step was the BPS. Um, and then I started to work as an assistant because my English was not very good then. <laughs> I was really basic. Um, so as I was learning English, I started to do um, some assistant job, assistant psychologist job. In um, the meantime, I finished my school in Italy and applied at that point, the HCPC was uh, <clears throat> in charge of recognizing the foreign um, qualifications, that's called Statement of Equivalence. So, there is a, a, a branch of the HCPC that looks at your qualifications okay. You can you're fit to practice in this country or, <clears throat> or you're not. Um, and you need to do A, B, C in to to be the equivalent of uh, uh, the British uh, clinical psychologist. So that is what I did. Um, and uh, after it's been recognized, everything I started to apply for a job as a clinical psychologist. Um, so the last decade, I've been working as a clinical
1: psychologist. Well, I just think there's there's so much value in in. And you pursuing that I think for yeah. people by listening in who might be able to relate thinking do I do I move to what's the point and how do mm-hmm. I do it and but I, I genuinely think that I mean I've learned my time where, you know for example like university um, by sitting with people from come from different parts of the world and mm-hmm. they would share the like we we'd have a case study right Mm-hmm. we would talk about one thing and then you realize at first I was thinking to myself these people what are they talking about mm-hmm. then I realized after time I'm thinking okay I never saw it from that perspective and they're bringing mm-hmm. their different world different views different to mine yeah but actually I'm learning through the the, the, <clears throat> the exercise yeah and so so like you know I'm just grateful for them helping me enrich my knowledge and I think that's what we need
0: yeah. Because modern medicine is the same, right? Yeah, it's beautiful what you're saying. I think it's, um, it's very nice um, when uh, you can see there's different point of view. At the time, it can be perceived as... Uh, you uh, you don't see our point point. <laughs> um, and uh, you remember some point during uh, our conversation today I said I always felt a little bit different so the beginning when I started to work in this country I really felt uh, I'm a little bit different here I'm seriously different here because <laughs> I think in a very different way um, but it was in a different way in a good way um, so you see me I'm very excited about my job and I bring that everywhere I go <clears throat> but in certain places it wasn't very welcome I'm very creative and uh, I do 100 other things at the same time and I do this and this and this um, in certain places that wasn't very welcome and um, and I started to kind of develop on my own business. Um, so I do work in both the public sector and the private sector. Um, and the private sector is, uh, I think, is an expression of me uh, as it's very creative, it's very welcoming, it's very um, approachable, um, it's uh, unique and it's different, Um And uh, I think uh, when uh, we first met, uh, I did uh, speak about the mirror therapy, which is a new therapy that uh, was developed actually in Italy, but it's just a coincidence. (laughs) I'm not not drinking here. Everything is retired. It's just a coincidence. Um, So the mirror therapy is a new therapy that I fell in love two years ago. um, And that is what I mainly do in my private practice. I do lots of mirror therapy and I love it. And that wouldn't been uh, well received in uh, in the public uh, sector because it's no evidence based yet. Um, and I'm doing the research, so I know it will be evidence based at some point. It will be the new nice guidance recommendation for trauma work. Um, yeah. But that, that that is me, like um, bringing in innovation, doing something new, something different, something that work. Um, yeah, which I can I can do in my private practice.
1: No, I just think it's look. I think it's very important because I think when we do a piece of engineering, we do a bit of science, we do a bit of whatever chemistry to help society. Yes. We don't, we don't start to box these things in. We don't care where the stuff has come from. It's if it's there mm. to advance human development or you know society. Yeah. we need to, we need to embrace it very quickly? Otherwise, um, if we, for example, the vaccination for COVID nineteen, if mm. we stop listening to people. Um, yeah. We will die as a race. We will. The human days, no human beings. You we know, we're yeah. gone. And so that's why I mean about. I think this whole thing around when you're trying to create science, uh, new information, uh, new solutions. Yeah. Um. And and options of solutions. You know, like I think I would like a, a variety. Hmm. Imagine we all eat the same food. It'd be very boring.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly, and I'm sure it's not going to go for our digestive system, you know. You
0: yeah. To, you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that is, I think, that is one of, one of the um, one of my qualities to be curious about the new things. Um, and when before we were talking about like, my qualities, might be different, uh, but I'm also very interested in what the diversity and the varieties in around me. And being a a foreigner, uh, as really for me, everything happened around me is new because I've been in this country for 20 years. It's a lot of things are still very new to me. What is uh, normal for you that you see since you were born? For me, it's like, oh wow, that is different. Uh, Even the fish and uh, chips—I didn't have fish and chips for 20 years of my life, and then I discovered the great fish and chips. Um, So the interest, interest in and the new thing, uh, and the learning from others uh, is—I think that is what makes us big and great. um, rather than uh, focusing on this is me and this is what I like, is uh, opening your mind is uh, is amazing because that's when we do very important things.
1: Well, a, tell us a bit more about this mirror therapy. I mean, whatever you hmm. can share, we' would allowed to share. You know, Godfrey, sounds sounds um, intriguing and helpful. So what's it about? Yeah, and-
0: what it's about, yeah. So the, the mirror therapy was developed about eight years ago by these two Italians, Psychologist Alessandro Carmelita and uh, uh, Marina Cirio, um, they have a background as um, a schema therapist, which is a type of uh, therapy, um, and uh, um, the is a um, uh, bring together different approaches. The foundation is the attachment theory, schema therapy, the polyvagal theory, the new developing neuroscience. So there's lots of science the approaches there, um, and approaches that have been tried over the years, and we know they work. Um, what does is uh, um, um, everything happened? That's the novelty in front of a mirror. They is quite big. So rather than sitting in front of the patient, I see I, I stand behind the patient. that is uh, um, looking at himself or herself in the mirror. Um, so there is. Uh, can I show you my mirror? Do you want to the see my mirror? This, yeah, so yeah. I think it's easy for show you. So this is. Can you see? So this is the mirror. Okay. You can see, there is a chair. Yeah. Uh, so the patient sit on the chair and they stay, uh, understand the behind the, 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 the chair. Um, and uh, So they're sitting in the chair. They sit on the chair and okay. the therapist is behind, behind them. Yeah. So all our interactions are in the reflection of the mirror. Mm. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you see your face, you see your expression, but also you feel think inside you. Um, and often, people, when they have uh, experienced trauma, they have a discrepancy between what they're seeing and what they're feeling. Often, what they're seeing is someone they don't really like to see. Um, they might dislike the person, they don't like the person, they are angry at the person, they're disgusted for the person. By inside, they feel maybe uh, uh, they feel ashamed, they feel sadness, they feel anxiety. So this is one of the first discrepancies that we work on, and then there is the eyes of the therapist that uh, are there, and uh, you interact with the therapist today. So before you mention compassion, uh, a therapist today understands you, understands how you're feeling, and then look at you with benevolent and compassionate eyes. So when you look at the therapist today, is there. Uh, um, you will see the uh, care and uh, understanding in the person's eyes that is very different than how you look at yourself. So this is the other discrepancy between uh, I look uh, at myself and uh, I don't like the person, but this person is looking at me with lovely eyes and uh, we care. Um, so that's the other discrepancy. But what is behind this? Um, I'm sure if you've heard of the uh, mirror, neuron, mirror neurons, so they are. So they are in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we so know we'll copy. Yeah. Just for the audience, if you want to explain. what Yeah. Ignorance is.
0: <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> we're never gonna finish this. never No. <laughs> <laughs> Briefly, uh, the mirror neurons are, the, as they, uh, the name said, the are, they are neurons they are in, in, in the frontal cortex and they mirror the expression, and they, 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 they're involved in the empathy process and they reflect what the other person is feeling. So when we see, for example, somebody that is sad, we feel the sadness because the mirror neurons are mirroring and make us feel what the other person is feeling. So, if, when people look at me and uh, in my eyes, they see that I'm sad because of what they are experiencing, or they see the compassion, they feel that. And their reaction to the pain is uh, through compassionate eyes rather than through angry eyes. When they see the eyes, they react to the angry eyes with anger. So, we mimic the other, we mirror the other uh, person's uh, feelings. Um, so by learn, and this is based on the theory of attachment. So we learn, um, we look at ourselves in the same way our parents used to look at us, or they, our care used to look at us. So when we look at ourselves, we see how we think other people look at us. So when I, um, if I had uh, experienced a trauma, for example, or neglect, and I feel like uh, uh, my parents were. Um, uh, or um, they would say that I was not intelligent I was not uh, a nice person, I was stupid, I was dumb, I was a uh, uh, moron, I was uh, it's my fault if everything happened. When I see myself, this is what I think about myself because it's, uh, I have internalized that experience. So what I see is what, uh, by inside, I still feel like uh, that person has been a victim. So I feel maybe scared, I feel, um, um, I feel anxious. I feel uh, worried about things that happen. That are happening to me. Um... So the, the relationship with the therapist will help to have that comfort, that, it's called the tuning experience of the attachment as I, I I know that you're suffering, I can see your pain, I can see that you are scared and I'm with you to make sense of what you're feeling and how, and I help you to go over this. So I'm with you, I'm present with you, which is the experience of the secure attachment. Um, so often we deal with people that have an insecure attachment. so we offer with the relationship with the therapist uh, an experience of a secure attachment.
1: How long and how many sessions do do people need to have to be yeah. or is it just like see you know it's done on a on a weekly basis or what? Would yeah. you
0: say? Yes, the majority of people did do the neurotherapy. Um, but it, it, it's very depends of uh, how complex and how uh, insightful and how uh, difficult the attachment histories is. Uh- um, some of the people that work, they had a very complex history of trauma, so they had uh, um, uh, uh, continuous uh, trauma through their life. So, so when they come to me, they have uh, they have lots of work to do. So for those, for, for maybe for them, it will take a bit longer. Um, when they have uh, uh, more uh, specific, or simple, or not the big uh, trauma, I think it, it's much quicker. Um, had uh, uh, just finished the other day with someone there, so six times, um, and uh, six times for, for her were enough <laughs> to solve the problem of attachment that she had with the parents. Um, she had a very difficult relationship with her parents um, and there was some, some history of trauma there with uh, complex patients have been working with uh, um, for, for people with people between 15 20 sessions but again is uh, um, i think in the neurotherapy the we it is all about the relationship so we maintain our Secure attachment, um, even after the therapies ended. I have uh, like my first patient that I finished therapy, neurotherapy with about a year ago. I'm still in touch with him. So now and then he texts me to say, "Hi, doctor Francesca, I'm doing very well. I'm doing this I'm there and then so there is um, maintaining that relation, like like because it's uh, so important that that the positive attachment that we have developed. They want to let me know uh, that they're doing okay. Um, And sometimes we also agree that I can contact them to say, hi, how are you doing? Are you still okay? Are you still in that job? and, and that is, is, is very nice. I love to hear from my patients. Um, they, they know they can approach me. Um, I'm almost available, available 24-7, <laughs> um, so they know they can contact me and I will respond to them. Um, and this is possible because I like to work in this way. Yeah, and it's not not everybody become a mirror therapist it has to be available 24-7. This is my way of working. Um, the, the neurotherapy is a, is a model of therapy. And then uh, you adapt to the model, your skills as well, your personality before we are talking about that. Um, and, uh, but there is an element of, we know how important is this, rela- this relationship. So I know that I want you to know that I'm, I'm there with you and for you during the therapy, but also after the therapy. The length, so probably I kind of gave a very big answer to say, how long does the therapy last? I think it's a very difficult question. It can last... I- It's very, it can be very quick. Um, You definitely bring a strong emotion very quickly. And uh, uh, people that have experienced different different therapy, they they often tell me, well, in one session, I feel like I've done 20 sessions from other approaches. It's very, very, very quick in terms of uh, bringing to your eyes, lots of feeling and lots of uh, uh, emotions there you don't see
1: when you're sitting on a couch or you are looking at the other person. Yes. That's so, that's so helpful. And for again, listeners, listening, um, people who listening into the podcast, um, you know, because I, this is not an area that I, um, you know, practice in. And so I, because I'm in the more preventative side um, yeah. and, you know, academic side of like um, yeah. teaching now and, I just I, the, the key thing I want people to understand is like there's so many different approaches, and approaches we need, yeah we need to appreciate them and we need to yeah. bring somehow and all hope is not lost just because something didn't work for you before there's lots yeah. of tools out there to help you and this is an example
0: yeah and
1: yeah what type of person then um, might might able to benefit from it like do um, they have to have a diagnosis is that someone with depression what yeah. type of person should be accessing yeah. the support?
0: It's a, it, bio-therapy is a trans-diagnostic approach. So it's not a diagnostic. You don't have to have a depression, anxiety or uh, any. So it's, it's a trans-diagnostic. It's, a, it's a, I I've, I work with trauma, my background is that I'm also a DBT therapist, so I've been working for many years with people with personality disorder, and and I've always been interested in trauma. So people that come to me naturally come to me because they know that work with trauma and complex trauma, so I mainly use uh, all my approaches with uh, people that experience trauma. Um, and they come with, often with personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, or UPD, uh, emotional stable personality disorder. Um, That not necessarily everybody has a diagnosis, often they come because of their complex trauma histories, and that can, uh, present uh, as uh, anxiety or depression, or OCD or panic attacks, um, um, personality disorder so present in different ways. The common denominator I think is uh, the trauma history. But then you can ask me, who does it go and see a clinical psychologist without trauma? <laughs> so there is no point in going to see a psychologist if there is you not know, some traumatic experiences. And um, so yeah, it's a agnostic approach. So can be, I can use it with uh, um, people when they experience a trauma because they have a, a disintegrated sense of self. So the idea of the uh, mirror therapy is to develop a sense of self that is cohesive um through uh, the development of the self-compassion um so when people experience trauma they have uh, that problem they don't have a sense of self disintegrated and therefore for me this is the uh, therapy that work very very well with them
1: yeah I just think there's there's lots of people out there and, mm. and perfect because it's not all about diagnosis yeah there's people who want to um Potential reach out and get some, and you know, get some, get some perspectives and help if they want yeah. to without being labelled. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's another yeah. very good thing. Exactly, yeah, and I, I work. Uh, so this is my, my. Um, that's I'm going to I, I work both, as I said before, in the public sector and in the private sector. In in the in the public sector, work with people with personality disorder one of my interests uh, outside the public sector is the prevention. You mentioned prevention before. And I'm uh, really a great believer of uh, um, uh, intervening as soon as possible. So one of the projects that I'm developing at the moment with uh, um, year six and year seven is to do the preventative work that we all psychologists know is so important. And it is about naming what we call the mental health later on. So helping the kids to have a language to say, I'm feeling nervous. Later on, that feeling nervous become anxiety. helping them to say, I'm feeling nervous, I need some support. Uh, I'm feeling uh, um, upset, I need some support. Um, And I did several workshops in some of the primary school, year six in Birmingham, and it was just amazing. The kids just get it. No, uh, they don't know because they think mental health has been very unwell. Uh, they don't know the beginning of uh, mental health is uh, an emotion day. It's very big and you can't contain it. Let's work on that. Um, so I've been that, that's my future project. Uh, hopefully it will be starting more consistently in September about talking about mental health as we do about the physical health. So, and my dream is one day when we say, I've got tummy ache, somebody will tell you, okay, what's worrying you? Yes. <laughs> Rather than, okay, go home, you, you're sick, you had something that um, you know, gave you tummy ache, or if I have a day, what's worrying you? Um, so, and that is something that I'm doing in collaboration with some teachers and hopefully uh, uh, some parents as well, that will be on board. Um, but it's really talking, talking uh, to kids, uh, find the language to express their emotions, naming them, knowing that it is okay to talk to someone about their emotions and their feelings.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think changing the culture, and, you know, that's part of, I suppose, not just about what you do and, um, you know, just working with clients. It's also working in different domains and different areas which, you um, Contribute to like long-term solutions, um, and, and that's what psychologists and psychotherapists and, and people in this field are trying to do. We, we're not just one-dimensional; we're so multidimensional. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: that's the beauty of uh, psychology. It's not right. just clinical psychology, um, which when we talk about clinical psychology, is the um, most complex. Uh, clinical psychologists tend to work in more complex area of mental health. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there is only that area. Psychologists can work in so many areas. Um, I was talking, one of my um, uh, assistant psychology, asked me, so if I don't want to be a clinical psychologist, what else can I do? <laughs> okay, let's talk about the different areas that you can go into after your bachelor degree, which is not clinical psychology is one of the you can become a forensic psychologist, you can become an educational psychologist, occupational psychologist, a uh, uh, sports psychologist, or an academic if you really like. And I'm pretty oh, sure. A
1: health
0: <laughs> psychologist, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> the main one. <laughs> um, and you can work in so many different settings, uh, private, hospital, community. You can work in schools. You can work in uh, community center. You can work uh, in with athletes. Um, uh, um, uh, Alessandro is one of the people that developed the mirror therapy, he specialized to use the mirror therapy with athletes. Uh, athletes. Uh, he's working with some of the Tokyo Olympic uh, uh, athletes. So it's, it, it it is uh, we we can um, we can help everyone because mental health is, is everything it's like physical health.
1: Absolutely, and I just wanted to you know to say that you know thanks for so much for coming on this podcast. Um, um, I'm going to give the microphone over to you. Um, you've you've said so much value valuable stuff um, for audience members and also this new area of um, therapy that you're applying and going to be doing more work on. Um, but I just wanted to give the microphone to you. You can share whatever you want to say with uh, the audience. You can you can even say, you know, if you want to get, someone want to get in contact with you or visit, but more won't pay you You can put that in as well. But um, whatever you want to share with the audience. And then once you stop um, talking, I will stop recording. So thank okay. you. Over to you. Thank you. And over to you, Francesca.
0: Thank you for having me. And thank you for everybody listening as well. Okay. So it's nice when, uh, okay. So I, I, I don't know from where to start. But first of all, you can contact me. Um, I'm on Google, so my, uh, you can find me as Dr. Francesca. Uh, please contact me for any queries that you have about mirror therapy or about other things that we've spoken today. I'm very happy to answer to any of your questions. I'm on LinkedIn as well, so you can easily find me there if you don't find my website. I think the the message that we like to give is uh, I really believe everybody can have a life that we want the life that we want to live that we deserve and we all deserve. amazing life. Um, And there is help there. It's really, there is so much help there. Sometimes the first step is the most difficult. And the first step is asking for help. Uh, Asking for help is a strength. I always say that, and I will repeat that until until I die. Um, Asking for help is a big strength. And when you ask for help, you will have people like me or other people like me that will uh, help you to get better. So yes. Please get in touch if you need me in any forms of shape. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to, to us. Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast
1: that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do.